I mean, as a little kid, these are the type of games that you dream about. Um, of course, we didn't get the outcome that we wanted, but I know kids that are, they'll give their left arm to be in that game tonight. Bring, bring your green hat. Let's go. All right. Loud Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Recording the podcast when it's dark outside time. Almost a big win in basketball time. Almost signing day in football time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker and Grant Ramey coming to you here. I, I would say from the uh, from the Fort Rucker studio, which is where I am, but Grant's coming to us live here from uh, Go Vols 24-7's uh, Blunt County headquarters up there in Maryville. Grant, how are we doing? That is pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, I think we all. Uh, I think we all need to do some of that stuff. We we've got uh, some. There was something about a month long coaching search and basketball season and football season overlapping, and uh, the family kind of got neglected. Yeah. Sorry, it, fam. Yeah, Sorry, family. Yeah, it, it's kind of like all that happened at once and. If it weren't, I'll be honest with you. Uh, Amazon doesn't pay us a dime uh, here on the GoVault twenty four seven podcast. But were it not for uh, Amazon, I don't know that anyone would be getting anything for Christmas this year. My wife keeps Amazon Prime in business. Yeah, we uh, we've had to do a, a lot of that, and and you know, I gotta tell you, it's been a it's been a quite the quite the interesting month around Tennessee. And of course, we're releasing this on Wednesday. So you're probably wondering, why is this podcast not about National Signing Day? Well, we're going to let National Signing Day, the the early period, kind of get started. And then we're going to see where that goes from there. And we'll have a little bit more for you to to recap for you uh, a little bit later in the week in our Friday podcast. So we're mixing it up a little bit. Plus, there is some interesting stuff to talk about with basketball. Grant, that was a there was a lot of buildup for that game on Sunday between Tennessee and North Carolina. And and honestly, I know Tennessee didn't win the game, but I don't I don't think the game disappointed. I think it it kind of lived up to the hype. Yeah, going into those last whatever it was two minutes, that's what I was sitting there thinking that uh, this game's going to come down to these last few possessions and. Uh, when it comes to uh, a game that had that much hype, a, a sold-out crowd, the checkerboard stuff inside the arena, how how loud it was, uh, North Carolina never played against Tennessee at Thompson Bowling Arena, all that stuff, Tennessee start to the season. Uh, Tennessee lived up to its billing except for the final two minutes, which is uh, obviously disappointing for Rick Barnes and his players. But uh, you, lead, you lead a really good basketball team for 37 minutes, and you could kind of feel it kind of building up. I mean, in the first half, they were up eight at halftime or whatever it was. Maybe it was six, 38, 32. It felt like it should have been like 15. Uh, and you could kind of feel in the second half, they, they would be up eight and then the next minute they'd be down two. I mean, up two and then uh, they'd build it back up to eight and they'd let Carolina get back in it. You just felt like they weren't putting Carolina away. They weren't putting Carolina away. And a, and a team, a college basketball blue blood like North Carolina, if you don't put them away, they're going to be there in those closing two minutes and they're going to know how to finish a basketball game. And I think Tennessee got a pretty good clinic uh, in how to finish a basketball game uh, and be that that mature finishing team uh, that they just couldn't quite be the other night. Yeah, you know, I think that if you're Rick Barnes, this is the kind of thing that I don't, you know, he said going into this this game that it's not going to define them either way. And I, 
I think that's fair. What what I keep wondering is, you, you know, how I, that team, Tennessee, arguably has outplayed the the past two national champions this season. For for those forty minutes, Tennessee probably arguably outplayed the opponent for more often than not a majority of that game. There's a lot to build on there, but you saw if you don't knock out a team like that, you, you know, you just kept thinking, and, and I know that, that, Roy, that Roy Williams said this. He said that he felt great at halftime because he, he felt like they were down by double digits or should have been, and I think that that's exactly right. And, you know, Tennessee had – I need to go back and count, but I think it, it was at least five, maybe seven or so possessions where that nine-point lead could have gone to double digits – and it didn't, and then you had that tip in for Carolina right there at the end of the half, and, you know, it just felt like right there they, they hit that three early in the second half, but Tennessee just it could never get it to double digits and could never put that team away, and when a team has a guy like Joel Berry, a guy who was the leading scorer in the national championship game, a guy who's a great senior guard, he just, you know, he was so unflappable that he kind of helped Carolina get back in that thing, and Tennessee just kind of saw you've seen where the bar is now it feels like doesn't it yeah and and it's I think Rick Barnes is is telling the truth Uh, he usually doesn't (laughs) doesn't really have much reason to lie when he's talking to me but when he says that he told his players that that game doesn't change one thing or the other win or lose I I think he's I think he's being honest I think he's right I mean uh, I think it's tougher on Tennessee's fans than it is on Tennessee's players because that would be kind of a I mean, you beat North Carolina on that stage in that setting on ESPN on a on a Sunday afternoon when you're the only show in town. Uh, that feels like a program changing kind of win when it comes to the Rick Barnes era. But when you kind of step back and examine it, Tennessee's lost by combined 14 points to the number one team in the country, Villanova, and the number five team in the country, North Carolina. And and that's why they don't drop in the polls after that kind of loss. It doesn't really, uh, it doesn't change anything if if you're offering up a seven and two record through nine games back in November, everybody would have taken it uh, being a ranked basketball team, being a team that's a shoe in for the NCAA tournament. If they keep playing at this rate, uh, it doesn't change anything that they lost the way they did, but it can be, uh, uh, it can win them games down the road because of the way they lost. Uh, they, they know what they have to do in the final two minutes. Now, what was, what was odd for me was obviously that Lamonte Turner turnover, uh, right before that Kenny Williams go-ahead three that, that was the dagger, the, the game-changer. That was kind of the whole scenario that played out at Clemson back in that exhibition game in November. Uh, James Daniel was trapped like that, pivoted out of it about three times, and finally found somebody. This time they froze. So it felt like a little bit of a regression there. But if they can learn from these final two minutes and become a, a better basketball team for it, uh, I think this this loss will be a, a, lot bet, a lot easier to take, I guess I should say. Uh, down the road if, if you can get some wins because of it. Yeah, and then there was also that play where, where Grant Williams was trying to hit Jordan Bone. Uh, that was the primary on that kind of out-of-bounds play there in the last uh, 20 seconds or so. And, and then the second read on that play was supposed to be uh, Bowden on the sideline, and then Grant Williams threw it there. Bowden kind of wasn't ready for it, so the Carolina defender stepped in front of him and got the ball. And, you know, they're, they're just – they did kind of freeze there. And, and I've said it before in – I've written this in columns a couple times, is that when you play a team like North Carolina or you play a team on that stage, um, you, you kind of play the moment as much as you play uh, the opponent. And, and you, you have to be ready 
in that sort of environment. And you saw Tennessee had a chance against Villanova to just completely knock that team out of the game. Didn't do it. Uh, Tennessee against North Carolina. And despite – I don't think when Tennessee built that lead, I don't think – I might be crazy, Grant, but I still don't think Tennessee was playing its best basketball there. I think it was playing good basketball, but I think this team could play even better. And you you get to that point where you know you can play with anybody. You've shown that you can do that. Now you have to prove that you can finish. And, and that, to me, when you're playing those kind of championship teams, it's not – necessarily a physical talent thing although that that's part of it because North Carolina didn't offer a scholarship to a single one of Tennessee's players but if you hadn't put those two uniforms on those those two teams you might not have looked at that and 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 known which team was supposed to win the game I thought so so they've come a long way but boy there's a there's a lot of intangibles that as this team grows it's going to have to learn yeah and and what they've done through nine games is is still not getting everything they can from every, you know, rotation piece here. Uh, Admiral and Lamonte the other night combined for what four of, uh, I don't even know what it was four of 21 from the field. Uh, Grant Williams had only four rebounds. Kyle Alexander only had four rebounds. Admiral had two rebounds. John Forrest had four rebounds. I mean, your, your leading rebounder was Lamonte Turner with nine. Uh, Lamonte was one for eight from the floor with two points. He had how many threes rim out? Seemed like two or three there yeah, in the second half. That's brutal. That should have it looked like they were going down, just rims out. So I mean, and and you're it was not the it was the worst game of the season, I guess, for Kyle Alexander because of the way he kind of got yanked there and and Rick said he wasn't engaged and and giving up too many points and all that stuff. So I mean, if you can get to the point where Kyle's a little bit more consistent, John Fulkerson kind of starts to look like his old self. Uh, I mean, Derek Walker's still not doing anything. Chris Darrington's still kind of scratching the surface. He's paused, didn't even get on the floor the other night. Uh, there's a lot of guys that they need to get kind of up to speed and find some consistency because they're they're already playing good basketball the way it is. If you can get those guys, uh, you know, keeping up with, with the people that are producing here, I mean, if you get a little bit more – a little bit more depth, even though they, they keep talking about depth, they, they can still find more depth that this could be a really good basketball team. But until then, uh, they're still very much a, an above average, a, a ranked basketball team that seems like they're not going away anytime soon. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. You know, it, it just would have taken just a couple of those three-pointers from, from Turner going down. It, it would have taken maybe just, you know, one more, two more rebounds here or there from the big guys or, you know, just one less turnover here. It, it, despite, I mean, I don't think this team is, and I, I think this is a good thing because I don't think this team is, has played anywhere near how well it could play. And I think I, I don't think Barnes is just saying that to motivate the team. Uh, I think that's true. I think this team can play a lot better. And the question is now, I mean, we're sitting here all, you know, praising this team. Well, there's still a lot of work to go do. But I just – I still see a really, really high upside for this team. And, and maybe I'm wrong because it's the third – you know, about the third way mark of the season now. And then you'll start getting into SEC play and you, you'll get the physical grind going. And, and maybe we're talking about a bubble team or something or at the end of the season. We, we don't know. But I just think this team still has a really, really high upside. It seems to me like that anyway. Yeah, I mean, if if they just if they continue on the trajectory they're on now, that's that's a lot of upside. Uh, this team's going to look a lot different. I mean, there's still twenty, what twenty two games left on this season, uh, all the way through March. I mean, this team's going to look like a completely different 
uh, basketball team by the time it gets to March just because of guys like Chris Darrington, uh, Derek Walker, John Fulkerson, all these guys that are still kind of uh, trying to find some consistency and kind of turn a corner. I mean, they should be uh, if they progress and, and kind of get better as, as the season goes on. I mean, when you're, you're 20 more games down the road, that's, that's a pretty big difference. I mean, these freshmen don't seem like freshmen as much when it's game number 30 opposed to game number three. So uh, if they keep taking the steps in the right direction, yeah, they, you would think if, if they keep progressing and, and don't, you know, don't have any kind of stretches where it's, it's multiple losses in a row, kind of the collapses like they've had in the past. I don't think injuries will, will affect them as much because of the numbers that they have, but you know, just keep walking in the right direction, taking the right steps. This should be a good basketball team as the season goes on. Yeah, we talked about this a second ago, but if you take out those two, you know, Schofield hit those two three-pointers early in the second half. If you take the that one-minute or two-minute stretch out of the equation, I mean, you're talking about Schofield, aside from those two threes, was something like one for 11 and Turner's one for eight, and you still have a chance to beat North Carolina despite that happening. And that, to me, you can either look at that as, oh, man, that was a that was a lost opportunity. Or you can look at it as, wow, that still was a good basketball game despite all of that, which I think is a good thing for this team. And one question I still keep asking, Grant, and I know that, that at some point we're just going to keep talking about this and maybe it will never change because this is just who he is. But every time I watch Tennessee this season, I just ask myself, why does Jordan Bowden not shoot the basketball more? You're talking about a guy who's 3-7 from the field, 2-3 of three from 3 in that game, and yet I can still think of at least three times where he had relatively clean looks from the perimeter and he didn't take them. And I'm just wondering, you know, is this guy going to be a big-time scorer or will he ever have the mentality to do that? I think it's right now it just seems like patience – and unselfishness to a fault. I mean, uh, he is one of their most consistent shooters, but he's also uh, more consistently than anybody else passing up shots. I mean, we were talking about it the other night during the North Carolina game. He is he is every bit the bizarro Lamonte Turner. Uh, yeah. Lamonte Turner is constantly looking for his shot. And not to, you know, that's, that's not a bad thing for Lamonte Turner. He hits a lot of those shots. Uh, but you kind of wish Jordan Bowden had that same mentality. I don't I don't know if it's, if that's the way he's always been, if that's the way he's kind of been raised in the game of basketball, or if that's just kind of something that's changed since he got to this level. Uh, but the at the percentage at which he hits shots, uh, it seems like he's always taken good shots. I mean, he was their most dangerous threat last season from the three-point line when he was missing there late in the season. With that, uh, that illness, Tennessee's offense, kind of the guard play started to stagnate a little bit and, and bog down a little bit now. Uh, you walk a fine line between saying shoot more and and kind of be be yourself, be your patient self, and 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 look for others. But yeah, it would not hurt Tennessee a bit uh, for Jordan Bound to lose a little bit of that unselfishness and a little bit of that hesitation and kind of hunt his shots a little bit more. Yeah, it's kind of I guess it's maybe it's one of those chicken or the egg arguments, you know, because does he shoot that high percentage because he's so deliberate and particular about when he shoots, or could he be shooting? at the same clip if he was more aggressive. Because I can't think of many times over the past, you know, I've covered most of the games and you've covered pretty much all of them. And 
I, I just don't remember seeing many times where I go, man, Bowden shouldn't have taken that shot. Or, or you know, just kind of a where, where he takes one of those shots where sometimes Lamonte does or Bone does or, or Grant Williams does when, you know, they know they're going to get an earful from Barnes about it. And maybe that's why Barnes trusts Bowden the way he does and he always plays so many minutes. But I just, you know, I know that, that, that Williams and Schofield are the, are, are the, the guys the, the offense is supposed to go through. But I just, man, I look at Bowden at 6'5", that athletic, that much touch. To me, he looks like a guy who should be scoring 15 a game or more. And, and I just, I, I wonder why that's not happening because this team kind of, could use that. And in and, and that game, you know, every game kind of has its own flavor and you got Schofield struggling from the floor. You've got Tur- Turner struggling from the floor. You've got bone, not hitting a three pointer in three attempts. Grant Williams is, is taking a, he's taking a beating everywhere he goes. He's getting hounded by two or three guys. To me, that just, that screamed, let Bowden, Bowden needs to understand that flow of the game. He's got to get going. And that's just, uh, it's so easy to pick these things apart after the fact, but to me it just looked like something that I keep asking myself that that question time and time again. And it's kind of like that that same question of why is Kyle Alexander not doing more because he could be so good. And maybe that's just one of those questions we're going to be sitting here asking for three or four years. Yeah, and there are a lot of questions like that sitting here right now with this basketball team. I mean, uh, can Kyle be more consistent and, and you know, he, has, he leads the team in – Block shots, he averages, you know, seven rebounds a game. He scores 5.7. I mean, those are the kind of numbers they need from him night in and night out. They can't have a uh, too many nights where he just kind of goes missing or, or isn't engaged and, and kind of ends up in Rick's doghouse on the bench. Uh, I mean, we don't even know sitting here right now if this, this Admiral Schofield at the three thing is, is going to pan out to, to be a season-long thing. Uh, if he doesn't rebound uh, – to the liking of Rick Barnes, it's probably not going to be that way. I mean, he's not going to stay there if he's not going to rebound and, and play like a, like a forward needs to play in those those moments. And, yeah, I mean, go back to Jordan Bowden. There's going to be times where he needs to take over games. That's another question. When, when can that happen? When will it happen? Does it happen anytime soon? Uh, is that something that develops over his sophomore season? That's, that's the thing. They're still playing good basketball. They won seven of nine. Uh, they're ranked. They're they're probably the surprise of the SEC at this point, and they still have a lot of questions to answer that that could make them a better basketball team down the stretch. And we'll touch on this a little bit. We've already mentioned it a tad bit, but there's a couple things to mention. One, uh, I think there were a lot of good signs from John Fulkerson in that game. I think he played the best game of his career last year against. Uh, he played well against Oregon too, but maybe North Carolina was was an even better game in, in terms of the moment and on the road. And he looks like he's starting to show some signs of maybe maybe kind of breaking out of that. You know, he he didn't he wasn't intimidated by Carolina's front line. He went at them. He was aggressive. Uh, got a couple of nice rebounds in there. Uh, of course, he he also got four offensive rebounds and none on defense, which was interesting. Uh, kind of the story of this team in some ways. But you know, with Alexander, he played 19 minutes. And he had five points, four rebounds, three block shots in 19 minutes. Did some good things, I thought. And 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 I think a fair question was asked of him in the the post game. Why didn't Why did Alexander only play six minutes after the first half? And and Barnes said he gave up seven straight points and wasn't engaged. And I don't know that I saw Cal Alexander doing that. But uh, I mean, Barnes usually isn't wrong about that stuff. So clearly something was amiss. Yeah, the, I think a big turning point was that last possession on the, in the first half. Uh, 
Carolina goes down the floor. I think Kyle got beat down the floor, and they love how Kyle can run, so it drives them nuts if he gets beat down the floor. And then uh, Carolina puts a shot up, and Sterling Manley beats Kyle Alexander to an offensive board, puts it back up and scores, and, and cuts it to six right there at halftime and gives Carolina a little bit of momentum. I think what drives people crazy is that Kyle only plays what he plays in the second half, six minutes, whatever it was, but the guy replacing him, uh, John Fulgerson wasn't playing well either. I mean, Carolina's bigs weren't having any problems problems with John. Uh, he wasn't stopping them from scoring any more than Kyle was. Uh, he probably wasn't rebounding any more than Kyle was. Obviously, with the they ended the game both with four rebounds. I think that's what drives people crazy is is Kyle may not have been engaged and, and may not have been producing the way that that Barnes wanted to produce, getting beat down the floor. But it didn't seem like Fulgerson uh, was doing anything. Spectacular. I mean, John is still a shell of himself coming back from this injury that he that he showed in those first ten games last season. I think that's what drives people nuts. Yeah, it's funny though that you mentioned that because I, I thought Fulkerson showed some signs of emerging from that in, in this game. I, I still think he's got a long way to go, but you know, he, he had a block, he had a couple steals, he was he was active. You know, I I, I don't know. I, I think I'm I'm starting to see things out of him that I like, but I think we both agree that he's got a long way to go and. You know, in a game like that, when Grant Williams is only playing 26 minutes because he's in foul trouble for for a lot of the game, somebody else in the front court's got to step up, and and maybe that's a situation where Schofield has to go back to the four when that happens. I I don't I don't know that there's a great answer there, but uh, until a guy like Walker or Fulkerson steps up and kind of becomes another s- solid option there, you know, Grant Williams isn't going to be Superman every night. I mean, he he gutted his way to 15 points in that game despite only playing 26 minutes, but. They're going to have to have somebody else step up there. Yeah, and, and the Walker thing is, is hard to figure out. Uh, the way they talked about him over the summer in the preseason sounded like he could be a, a borderline starter. Uh, I think he started maybe an exhibition game, something like that, and now he's kind of MIA, and, and he's a guy they need to get going because they need another option uh, in the paint. Zach Kent's not going to be that guy. I'm kind of – I mean, I'm frankly shocked that he's not go, undergoing a redshirt season right now. I don't, I don't really understand what they have going on there, what their plans are. But uh, until John Fulkerson starts to look like himself, until Kyle Alexander establishes consistency night in and night out, you need a guy like Derek Walker. All he, all he could do against Carolina was six minutes, two rebounds, you know, one on each end. That was it. That was the only stats he had for the night. So and, you got to have something from him, from from that body type, uh, just to just to spell the other guys, if nothing else. Yeah, and, and and there's here's the crazy thing though is that as you know you being the beat writer and me being there pretty much every time the gym's open too, you know you we start to see some of the you know I don't want to say if cynical is the right word but we start to see holes you know we we start to focus on places maybe where where they're not playing as great as they should be maybe where the opponent can hurt them a little bit but we're talking about all these things and nitpicking. And this team still had North Carolina dead to rights uh, in that game, and and that that to me is a sign of big picture. Big picture, I like where this thing is. I, I don't I don't know any why anyone wouldn't, to be honest. But I think it's it might be a little bit frustrating in the short term, but in the big picture, I think it's this the nucleus nucleus of the team is going to be together for a couple more years, and these guys they got to prove they can get to that level, but they they look capable of getting to that level, don't they? They do, and 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 the key there is is that the nucleus of this team is not going anywhere. I mean, you're returning 12 or 13 scholarship players uh, next season to 
uh, go hire a, a five-star guy like Anthony Simons and tell him, uh, look at the success this team has had through through nine, ten games. Uh, look where they are, where, where they could be, where they're kind of tracking to be in March, uh, and and add him to the fold next season. And and you have spot opening up in the backcourt with James Daniel leaving. I mean, it feels like uh, if this continues, that the foundation is set, has been laid, whatever, and they can go from here. Because, yeah, I mean, we're we're nitpicking this team like they're two and seven, not seven and two. And, and if they can do that with the guys that they've recruited over the last three years, that obviously have not been highly rated guys, have not been uh, guys that that have helped put Tennessee classes even towards the middle of the SEC. Uh, if they can add some elite talent going forward, it feels like maybe they're starting to turn a corner and, and kind of getting their footing in this in this basketball program. Obviously, it's been more stable since Rick Scott here, but the success they're having right now, they're a really young basketball team. They are they are extremely young. They're they're relatively undersized. If they can just kind of keep progressing, uh, add some more talent down the road, it, it, it seems like this is obviously uh, tracking the right direction. Yeah, Grant. But before we before we move on and talk about this week, and it's such a huge week for the basketball program because there can't be any hangover whatsoever against these two opponents. But before we do that, you know, you've actually spoken to Rick since the the North Carolina game, and I have not had the opportunity to do that yet. Did you get the sense from him? Did he say anything about the kind of response he's seen from the team, or or after he watched film, what he thought of the game, or or what insights maybe have you heard from him since the game? We talked to him Monday night after vol calls, and uh, they had Monday off because uh, they have to have the the extra day off a week through the end of, I guess, the academic schedule, which includes this week. So they had to have Monday off. Uh, Rick watched film. It was basically a lot of the same stuff that that he diagnosed Sunday night, Uh, just kind of the accumulation of the unforced errors, uh, turnovers, Kyle Alexander on the baseline trying to run when you can't run. Uh, getting called for a travel, uh, not the right execution. He didn't blame Lamonte Turner for that turnover. It was more based on uh, the spacing on the floor, the execution of that final play. It was more of a, a breakdown of more than just uh, Lamonte Turner throwing the ball away. It was just kind of the same stuff he said Sunday night. Uh, too many errors, kind of, you know, it, you can feel it as it's happening. It's it's going to snowball against you if, if you keep doing these things. It's going to come back and get you late in the game. And now they kind of got to move on. I mean, it's a it's a really kind of a challenging week, kind of the way Rick put it, because once your finals are over, a lot of changes for these kids. I mean, the campus is dead. Everybody goes home for the semester. The basketball team's still there. They can sleep all day, do whatever. He says you can always tell if those guys don't handle their time off the right way because they have such a regimented schedule throughout the the, the fall semester with their academic classes and then into the spring semester. But there's that Christmas break where they kind of have to respond the right way. And, and you have a weird 9 p.m. tip-off against Furman on a Wednesday night, a, a really good Furman team, a team that uh, I can't remember if they went to the NCAA tournament last year. They flirted with it for a while. I think they won like 10 straight games and, and tied for first or second in the Southern Conference. And then you got to go to Wake Forest on the 23rd, you know, kind of when you have that kind of foot out the door for the Christmas break thing where – uh, the NCAA allows these kids to fly home. They'll fly wherever they're going for Christmas from Winston-Salem. So it's just kind of a weird week. And it's a big week because you can't be asleep at the wheel with these kind of games. Yeah, and this was a team that, that did not go uh, to the tournament NCAA tournament last season but did, um, did play well and had a chance 
Uh, I think they – I'm pretty sure they, they did win the SOCON during the regular season. And, and so uh, th- this is a team, though, that uh, – I mean, I'm sure Rick Barnes is going to make them sound like the, you know, 96 Bulls. But, I mean, the fact is they're, they're a pretty good team. You know, they've got three losses on the season, a 9-3 record. Those three losses, uh, one is at Butler – uh, by an eighty, it was eighty-two to sixty-five, so somewhat competitive. Uh, at Duke was kind of a kind of a hurt and lost that one, ninety-two to sixty-three, and uh, played Winthrop at home. And we all know Winthrop uh, can be a dangerous team. Lost to that team, ninety-three to seventy-four. Uh, but this team's won five games in a row since then. Uh, has beaten uh, a couple of pretty good teams already. Has beaten uh, beaten at beaten UNC Asheville. Uh, won at UNC Wilmington, ninety to eighty-four, which is always a tough place to go play. Uh, this is kind of a, a good, solid basketball team. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's a it's a great team or a team that, that Tennessee is going to lose to necessarily, but, you know, it, it's kind of a good, good, scrappy SoCon team. It doesn't have a lot of size, but it's got a lot of guards and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of upperclassmen, and, and this is a dangerous team, I think. It's, it's a lot more of a Mercer-type team than a Presbyterian team, obviously, uh, which is, I mean, Rick scheduled these teams for a reason. He wants these kind of midweek tests. Uh, where you can't be sleepwalking uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna win this basketball game, it's a it's a 905 tip, which is gonna drive everybody involved insane, and it's a it's a game you got to just kind of take care of business. It's a anybody you play after after the way that North Carolina game was built and uh, hyped up and all that stuff, and uh, kind of a quick turnaround after that kind of loss uh, was gonna be a good test. But this is a this is a good Furman basketball program uh, that will kind of add to this. A uh, really tough December schedule. I mean, it's 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 not going to be easy. Wednesday night for a late tip off, it's not going to be easy. Saturday on the road for another ACC team uh, when you're when you're leaving for Christmas break the next day, and then I mean, you can even spin it ahead to December 30th when they uh, open SEC play on the road at Arkansas. I mean, this is a this is a really important uh, three game stretch if they're wanting to kind of continue the the direction they've been headed. And you know, there's an interesting kind of spin on this on this uh, Furman Tennessee game, in that it's a bit of a homecoming game of sorts for uh, the the reigning Southern Conference Player of the Year, uh, Devin Sibley, a former uh, Carnes High School star, a six two, one hundred seventy five pound senior, was a really good player at Carnes, and, and now he's become a really really good player at Furman too. I think he averaged uh, about nearly eighteen points a game last season. Uh, he's a guy who's scoring about 16 per game this season, shoots about 45% from three-point range. So this is a very, very dangerous player. And in a situation like that, when a guy's got kind of a homecoming game of sorts, uh, you know, this just that always has the makings of that classic kind of I'm going to show you what you could have had Tennessee kind of game. And a guy like that can be a dangerous opponent, I think. Yeah, and, and one thing to Tennessee's credit, they in these kind of games, uh, like a Mercer or a Furman or – or whoever it's been through throughout the the first nine games here, they they have met the challenge and then some in a lot of these games. I mean, they beat the they beat Mercer by 24. I think Alabama really struggled to beat Mercer Tuesday night. Uh, they beat Clemson in that exhibition game. Clemson's off to a 10 and one start. Uh, Tennessee's taking care of business in these games where uh, it could be a letdown. Or I mean, they, they they've not only won, but they they've won consi- uh, convincingly in in a lot of these meetings. If if they can, if they can do that again Wednesday night against Furman and kind of respond from that Carolina loss and uh, how tough I'm assume that had to be in that locker room. Uh, that's a really good sign moving forward. Yeah, I saw a couple of minutes of that uh, Clemson South Carolina game. I was 
going to uh, pick up dinner Tuesday night, and I'm not going to say where I was going because that place is not a sponsor of the GoVoss 24-7 podcast, and, and we're going to be sticklers about that. But, uh, but it I, could be. It could be. It could be at one point, so I'm not going to hate on him either. I'm just going to say I went to go pick up uh, Rucker family dinner there, and, and the, I got there a couple minutes early you know, because I'm always so punctual, and uh, the game was on, so I was watching it while I was waiting on the food, and uh, Clemson was, was kind of taking it to the Gamecocks there. That was uh, that's that if that had been a regular season win, that would be a pretty decent win on the resume right now. So there's all these reasons to think this Tennessee team could be pretty good, but you have to take care of business in games like this because we know that you look at Tennessee's two losses right now, neither one of those are going to be bad on a resume at all. In fact, if, if losses can ever help your resume, uh, those would be two of them. You look at the RPI, you look at the, the Ken Palm rankings, but, but you start losing games like Furman at home, those can those can kind of start to hurt your resume. Now, Furman's got a pretty decent team, so I'm not saying if they lose this game, they're not going to the tournament. But what I'm saying is this game right here, sandwiched in between a game where you're playing North Carolina at home and a game where you're going to Wake Forest on the road, this game right here is a tough game, and it's one that it's kind of tricky. If Tennessee goes out there and messes around – this Furman team is good enough to, to do some damage. I mean, I'm looking at, at some of these three-point shooters on this team. You know, Sibley, 45%. Uh, you know, Daniel Fowler, 42%. Uh, Matt Rafferty, uh, 43%. That's three of that team's starters are shooting better than 41% from three-point range. So, And another one of them shoots 36.7%. Uh, you know, every single guy in that starting five – is shooting three-pointers better than 33%. So you face a team like that, and I know Tennessee shoots it really well too, but if you mess around against a team like that, this team can put points on the board. This is a game that could be dangerous if they're not careful. I think Barnes, the way he described it the other night, was it's it's a it's a week that will test their maturity, uh, which is a, which is a pretty good way to put uh, put it. They've they've shown they can they have athletic ability. They've shown they have had, have had depth. Uh, they can play defensively. Uh, they can score points. They need to keep showing that they're a mature basketball team. Uh, I think you do that by beating a, a Mercer team by 24 or beating Lipscomb by 10 uh, when you're not playing your best basketball, but you still don't have a ton of nervous moments in that game. Uh, if you're mature, you take care of business against Furman uh, and you go to Wake Forest and, and you put your best foot forward there, and, and, and that's another winnable game uh, on the road. That would be another good resume a builder right before Christmas, and and then that would keep you spinning positively into into the SEC uh, opener at Arkansas. So I think it's more than anything, this is a team you need to beat, you have to beat, and it's going to show if you're a mature basketball team or not because they are young, they are talented, uh, but they need to keep proving that they're mature. Yeah, and, and Furman, you know, a lot of these mid-major teams, they only, you know, they play shorter benches. This Furman team's got, uh, I think, 10 guys averaging 10 minutes or more per game. So, uh, they're gonna they're gonna throw guys at you. They're gonna play fast. They're gonna shoot a lot of three pointers. And what I'm fascinated with is, is is with a game like this. You know, if it were a nine o'clock p.m. Eastern start, kind of during a regular week, you would still have a lot of students there because that wouldn't really affect them all that much. But y- you rely on a lot of non-student uh, participation for for some of these these uh, kind of winter break kind of games and a 9 p.m. start like that, you know, there's a lot of people who, quite frankly, probably will not go because it's at that time. So uh, it'll be different for the body clock for the players, but also, I mean, it could be 
um, especially compared to the madhouse that was Sunday. You know, they might have to kind of create their own, their own energy in this one. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely going to be a uh, a sight to see is is what it was Sunday for North Carolina, a three o'clock game. Uh, and what it is for Furman, <laughs> a nine o'clock game a few days later. Uh, as fun as it was on Sunday, uh, it's probably going to be uh, a little bit empty. Uh, they'll probably announce something like fourteen thousand, but yeah, it's it's going to be something where they they need to bring their own energy and worry about themselves and and whatever whatever's in the gym is in the gym uh, and go from there. Yeah, there was one of the uh, one of the ushers there at at, at the Tommy Bowl, basically kind of you know, looked at me during maybe the first couple minutes of that game and said, you know, it hadn't been like this in a decade is what the usher said. So uh, that that was a lot of buzz in the building that day, and that was impressive. And and I don't want to get caught up too much in talking about Wake Forest because Tennessee does have to play Furman next, and that's the game right in front of them. But we're not going to have another basketball podcast to bring to you until after uh, after both of these games. So we do need to talk just a little bit about Wake Forest. And uh, if you don't know, uh, Wake Forest has, has come a long way as a program under Danny Manning in terms of kind of getting that thing back to relevance. It was such a great program there under Prosser and some others there for, for so many years. And, and now it's kind of been a bit of a struggle. But but this team is um, got off to a, kind of a disappointing start, but has, I think, started to play better basketball recently. They were one and four, if you can believe that, after five games. And it wasn't even that. It was uh, lost the season opener against Georgia Southern by two at home. That's a bye game. That's awful. Uh, they lost the second game at home against Liberty by 13. That's awful. Uh, Drake beat them by three. Uh, they lost by uh, against Houston by five. They beat Quinnipiac, or however you say that, in the, the only game they won in that opening stretch. But since then, it's been fine. They beat a good UNC Greensboro team. They beat Illinois. Uh, Charlotte Army, Richmond, Coastal Carolina was was their most recent win. That was only an 84-80 win on the road. So uh, it's it's definitely a, a tell of what happened in those first five games and and what's happened since. It seems like Tennessee's catching them when they are playing some some of their better basketball. That's oh so classic Tennessee, isn't it? So yeah, it's, it's <laughs> to, like to to not get the team that lost to Liberty and Georgia Southern. Yeah, but the team but the team that beat uh, Illinois and the ACC Big Ten Challenge and. Uh, beat Army by 29 at home, and yeah, that's that's a very Tennessee moment. Yeah, and, and you know the, that team's got a couple of seven footers too. It's got some good size on it, so that that's uh, that's certainly not going to be uh, an easy game. And that's a good coaching staff that that they've got over there at Wake Forest too. So, you know, I, I'm fascinated because I, I think, you know, on one level, I say I'm not concerned because I think this team has kind of shown it's got an ability to to sort of take things in the moment and, and kind of go out there and, and play pretty good basketball and stay focused. Uh, but at the same time, you know, Sunday kind of felt like one of those games that, you know, like it might have a little bit of a hangover. I'm not sure that it will uh, because you had guys, you know, we talked to a couple of the players after the game and they were already kind of, you know, not happy, but, you know, they were smiling again and were able to be looking like humans. So it wasn't like it was a football loss where it just crushes you. But I think it's going to be interesting to see just kind of how this team responds to this. Yeah, I mean, a basketball season, college basketball season, obviously 31 games, that's a grind. Uh, you can't be uh, letting one one bad afternoon, one bad five minutes or whatever to, to end that North Carolina game uh, change or, or be a big swing in an entire season. Uh, you got to you got to put that one behind you and move on. And you need to be you need to be a team that can bounce back, and you need to be a good road basketball team. 
because you're going to have to win on the road over the course of the SEC schedule, and you're going to have to bounce back from disappointing losses over the course of the SEC schedule. I mean, the SEC uh, is a better league, as good as it's been in the last you know handful of years. It's not going to be easy going week in and week out, you know, playing two, three games a week in the SEC. So you're going to have to rebound from some losses, and you're going to have to be able to go on the road, handle your business like a with a with a professional kind of athlete attitude, and, and win some of those road games. So it will be a good test to to see what they can do against a, a solid ACC program that was, uh, I guess, a first four program last year in the NCAA tournament uh, under Danny Manning, and and kind of finish this ACC portion of your schedule. I mean. Clemson, North Carolina State, North Carolina, and Wake Forest. If you can go three out of four in that and lose to North Carolina the way you did, I think you're you're coming out the other side feeling pretty good about yourself. Yeah, I think this team's going to end up playing pretty pretty good basketball after this. I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me to see a slow start in that Furman game, but I don't know. There's something about this team that that I don't know. I just kind of trust their maturity a little bit. I don't, you know, I don't know that that. I'm expecting them to be as mature kind of as that North Carolina team is with guys like Barry and May and Pinson and all those guys. But I I think this team's going to be all right. I think they're going to respond to this pretty well. Could be wrong. Uh, I think when you're a defensive-minded team and they want to play defense first and they, they want to string together those three consecutive stops as, as many times as they can and they want to play you know, three really hard minutes of defense and then somebody will get a sub and, and let them go to the bench and catch their breath, I think when you want to do that, first and foremost, I think it leads you to be a little bit more of a consistent basketball team. I mean, we, we saw the runs they put together against High Point Presbyterian where it was like 23 nothing and 30 nothing, whatever. Even like Lipscomb and Mercer, teams like that, they held you know, to 10, 12 points over the first 10 or so minutes of the game. I think if you can keep establishing that early in games, I think they'll be a relatively consistent uh, basketball team, which will help them when they need a kind of a bounce back performance or, or when they need to go on the road and, and kind of not get lost early on and, and be competitive in a game like that. So uh, maybe if they keep doing that, if they keep the focus there on the defensive end, I think it'll keep paying off for them. And Grant, this will be the last time that uh, I guess we probably will, maybe the last time we hear from, from you on this podcast before, uh, before Christmas. So uh, uh, anything you want to, you want to say to the people out there? Uh, I got two kids, two young kids. So, uh, and I'm a journalist. So, send money to Blunt County. Uh, just <laughs> send it this way, and and somebody will probably find a way to get it to me. I like it. I like it. We could end on that one, guys. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in. I know that uh, you're probably you may have been wondering why we didn't do this the whole football thing yet. But as I said at the beginning of the podcast, we're gonna have much more of that uh, a little bit later in the week because we want to see kind of as those as those things kind of filter in we'll we'll see where things go with that but uh and, and we'll see what kind of staff or or what prude and the staff were able to put together so thanks for tuning in guys i'm not going to wish you a merry christmas just yet because uh because we have one more podcast until then but happy holidays happy hanukkah to everybody and uh we'll see you here in a couple days